Amen. What a great name he has. Thank you to the choir. Thank you to our musicians and to Brother Ben today for helping us to worship the Lord. If you would turn with us, please, to the book of 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter three. I want to talk about the examples that God has placed in our lives, how we should follow them and how we should set an example as well by His grace. So in Second Timothy three, I want us to look at verses 10 through 13. The Bible says in verse 10, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity or love, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we ask for your help as we look to your word. We pray for the illumination of your spirit. We pray also for his empowerment because it's only by his grace that we can become more and more like the sun. And so I pray that you would help us as we go through this text. And we pray that you would show us great and mighty things and help us to accomplish those things in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Remember that in this epistle, Paul is shepherding a young pastor and his congregation through the difficulties faced by anyone who sets out to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. So in verses 1 through 9, Paul says that such difficulties will characterize the last days. The lesson for us is that we should not expect any let-up or respite in the Christian life. Our battle will go on until Jesus returns. Paul compares these difficulties to the opposition faced by God's people in the past. He speaks of the Egyptian magicians, Janes and Jambres and their conflict with Moses. He speaks of how they opposed him in verse 8. So God's people have always faced opposition at all times and in all places. This is valuable to know because sometimes we think that we are alone. We think it has never been so bad as it is in our own time. But the fact is, is that for all who have tried to live godly 
for the Lord Jesus Christ, there has been opposition. There has been persecution. And there always will be. So Paul says to acknowledge the difficulty. In verse 1, he says, this know also. You must acknowledge that things are hard, that the Christian life is a battle. He then says, act decisively in response. In verse 5, the last part of chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5, he says, from such, turn away. So decisive action is needed. But then he ends by saying this, and that is, be assured that all such opposition will fail. This is in verse 9, but they shall proceed no further. God has a limit to which he will allow them to go, and then their end will come. The question for us today is, how can Timothy and his congregation avoid such a fate? Because there are two ways that are presented to us this morning. There is the way of evil and deception in verses 1 through 9. Then there is God's way, the way of the truth. It often comes with persecution and opposition. It is not easy. Satan promises you the easy part now. But then you find in the end that you face an eternity without God. He doesn't tell you about that. But God from the very beginning is honest with us. Because we live in a fallen world. And he says, if you live for me, you will face persecution. However, there is an end to this. And you can be faithful. There is no excuse for unfaithfulness. Because God has given us everything that we need to follow Him. So, another question is, how can we avoid such a fate? Because there are individuals, there are churches who go astray, who are deceived, and they are being deceived. Even as we speak, there are churches across this nation who are guiding people in the wrong way. And the stakes are so high because it's not just about this life, but it's about all eternity. And this is the point that I want to get across to us, and that is that we are leading someone either to heaven or to hell by our lives. You have to understand that. Paul understood it. He wants Timothy to understand it as well. So how do we avoid this fate? Well, we continue in the way of truth. One of the ways that we do that is to follow the examples that God has placed in our lives. I think that everyone naturally gravitates towards heroes. When I was a kid, one of my heroes was a stuntman and a daredevil named Evil Knievel. And he would make these incredible jumps and he would publicize them. What was interesting, though, is that in many cases he would fail to make the jump. He would wipe out 
he would break nearly every bone in his body. And then in one case, he got up in front of the television cameras and he said, you will never see me jump again. And then six months to a year later, what was he doing? He was making another jump. This time it was even bigger and better than before. Now my friends and I thought that was the coolest thing in all the world. You know, this is just how kids think. And I remember one Christmas even, I asked my parents for an evil Knievel outfit. And so I woke up Christmas morning and I was expecting this white leather motorcycle suit with, with blue stars and a red cape. What I got instead was a green polyester jogging suit with black and tan stripes down the side. I had to make do with it. But I look back in my life and I see that the people who have influenced me the most were not the rich and famous. They were not the most spectacular of people. They were teachers. They were coaches. They were my parents. I think all of us go through this, but when I was seven or eight years old, my dad was my hero. I wanted to be like him in every way. When I was 16, dad was the last person I wanted to be like. Then when I turned 20, I realized what an influence he had made upon my life. Because God used him to bring me to himself. You see, we don't realize at the time what an impact these people make upon us, but they do. And all of us are influencing other people. And I want you to listen to me, especially fathers and mothers, and especially if you've got little ones, but this applies to all of us, like I'm saying. Someone is following you, and what they learn from you is going to influence them for all eternity. Whether you want that responsibility or not is not up to you. It's something that God has put within us. All of us are influencing others. One of the ways that we can learn from this is to, number one, emulate the quality, the qualities of godly people, the character qualities that they have. And Paul says to Timothy in verse 10, Thou hast fully known these things about me. I want to say at the beginning that you should never put anyone in the place that only God deserves. Jesus Christ is first and foremost. He is on the throne. And I don't like to call Christ a hero because that does not do him justice. You see, Christ alone is worthy of worship, not just admiration and respect. Yes, he is our example. He is our chief example, but he is so much more. 
He is the creator. He is the redeemer. He is the God of heaven and earth. He is the Lord of all. He is the head of the church. So there is a spot for him that we can give to no one else. But Christ himself has ordained that we have people in our lives that we can follow. I truly believe that God has given us godly role models to follow. And we should emulate their example as they are conformed to Christ. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. I would be very hesitant to say this to anyone about myself, and I, I think that you would be too. We would say Paul, is an, Paul was an apostle, a very special instrument of God, and he wrote this under inspiration. But still, there's a principle here. And in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, Paul makes this statement to the Corinthians. And he says, Be ye followers of me, but he doesn't stop there. He says, even as I also am of Christ. Paul says, you're not following me because of who I am, because I've got all of the answers, because I am sinless perfection. But it's because of my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's because I am following him. And that is so important to remember. Again, Christ must be preeminent in our lives at all times. But I want to ask you this question. Are you comfortable with people following you? I know that's not something that we would want to say out loud out of humility and, and modesty. But I think what I'm getting at today is would, if you knew somebody was following you, if they were checking up on you, Examining your life, would it make you extremely uncomfortable because of what you're involved with? Because of who you are when you're away from religious people or away from the church, would that make you uncomfortable? Are you a different person in private than you are in public? In the sense that you do things that you would not want anyone to know about. You're a totally different person. Now, folks, for God's people, it should never be that way because someone is watching you. And who you really are is going to reveal itself in the end. It's true that none of us are sinlessly perfect in this life. However, there are people who are hypocrites. They wear one face in front of some people in some places, and then they wear another face to others. They claim to know Jesus, and yet they live in a way that is totally opposed to what He commands. I mean, even if you're honest about it, that's still not going to absolve you of that sin. We must be followers of Jesus, not just in the things that we say, not just in our outward presentation, but in who we are and what we do, in our actions and in our behavior. And so Paul says this, he says, you have known. And what he's saying is, 
We could say it this way, you have been following me. Because when he says you have known me, you are following me, he's not talking about one who follows blindly, but one who has internalized the truth and made it his own. Perhaps we've all known people and maybe for a while they followed the Christian way. They presented a, a good appearance while their parents were alive, when they were under their parents' roof, but then they go off, they get out on their own, and they go out into sin. Or maybe there are people who seem to be saved, but then they get out from under the influence of a godly mentor, and they show that they're not. There's a big movement today called deconstruction, where you have people who have at one time professed Christ and now they are openly atheists. And folks, my belief is they never knew Christ in the first place. In some way that, that outward scaffolding was torn away and they were revealed for who they really are. Now this is what is happening with some of the false teachers in the church at Ephesus. Paul says eventually they will reveal themselves for who they really are. Friends, we have to avoid that fate. First and foremost, you have to know that you are real when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because one day you're going to stand before Him. You really don't have to impress me. I'm not the one you have to impress in the end. And you can fool me very easily, but you can't fool God. He is the judge of all. And so putting up a front is not going to do any good with Him. So let me ask you today, everyone in this room, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Are you following Him? Are you following the commands of His Word? Are you true to Him? Paul says, you have known or you have been following my doctrine, that is what I teach, my instruction. Look at each of these things as they're outlined in verse 10. But then he doesn't stop there. He also says, you know my manner of life. That is the way that I live and the way that I conduct myself. And friends, those two have to go together. They have to if you're going to be an effective witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone can talk a good game. Anyone who has been brought up in a Christian home or if you've been brought up in a good church, you can learn the lingo in a Christian environment. But if you truly have a heart relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it is going to show in your life. It's going to show in the way that you live. I want to challenge you with this this morning. Look at this third one. You know my purpose. That is, Paul says, you know you have internalized the way that I think. You know my direction in life. You know what drives and motivates me more than anything else. And for Paul, that was the gospel of Jesus Christ, to know the Lord Jesus more than anything else. He says, you know my faith, 
And here he's talking about as a Christian virtue, my trust in Christ, my absolute dependence upon Him. I can say to you that one of the things that brought me to Christ was the faith of my parents. And that was certainly true in the case of my mother, but you know, I think boys have a special relationship with their father. And I remember my father had this kind of faith. And I saw him when I was uh, about 18, 19 years old, I saw him go through an intense trial in our lives. It was an intense financial burden. And I saw his faith in action. I saw his love for God. And in the end, what I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt was that dad was real. And that's what I had been looking for. I knew dad wasn't perfect. I knew my mother was not perfect, but they were real. They had a relationship with God. And you know, friends, that's the person that you want to be as a person who is real, a person who knows the Lord Jesus Christ and you are following Him day by day. You're not flashy. You're, you may never be wealthy or famous. People may never read about you in the checkout line. And most of those things are not worth knowing anyway. But you have a chance to guide someone for all eternity. And that's what my father did for me. Now, I didn't internalize it at that time, but eventually I accepted Christ. I came to know what dad knew. Paul says, you've known my long-suffering, that is my, for, my forbearance, my patience with others. And my, what long-suffering he had to have with all the opposition that he faced. He says, you know, my charity or my love for God and for other people. He says, you know, my patience, that is my steadfastness, my perseverance. One who lives in the midst of the difficulties of life, but yet you are kept by Christ. And friends, that's what makes a difference. When people see you going through trials and they see you running a marathon, not just a sprint. They see you being faithful day in and day out. Listen, let me encourage you, dads, moms, everybody. Be faithful to God. Be faithful to His house through thick and thin. Don't give up on God. Don't let yourself be taken out of His service and wander about in the world. But be faithful to Him. That's the kind of thing that has an impact upon other people. You see, Timothy could see that Paul was real. I'm going to get to this in ver in, uh, with number two. Number one, emulate the character qualities. And then number two, embrace the sufferings which accompany godly living. Because this is really where you see it. So Paul talks in verse 11 about the persecutions and afflictions that he endured. And he mentions Antioch and Iconium and, and Lystra. These were places that Timothy knew. It was the area from which he came. He was aware of these episodes. He was aware of when Paul was stoned. And he had agreed to join Paul in ministry in this area in Acts 16. 
Acts 16, verses 1 through 6. Now, these were earlier persecutions that Paul went through. And I think the point is, the point that Paul is trying to make, and by the way, he's writing this letter just before his martyrdom. So this is at the end of his life. But he said, Timothy, from the very time that you have known me, from the very beginning, you know that I've been faithful to the Lord, that I have borne up under these persecutions. But then you can find another list, and if you want to write down this passage and meditate on it, 2 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 33. You look at the times that Paul was beaten, the times when he was imprisoned, when he suffered all kinds of trials. One man has said that outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul has suffered more than any other man for the sake of the gospel. I can see why someone would say that when you read this list. And of course, his suffering was not redemptive like our Lord's was, but my, you look at the suffering that this man went through. And perhaps here, more than anywhere else, the apostle is making clear to Timothy that he's going to have to go through the same thing if he's going to live for God. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Listen, my friends, salvation is a free gift. We are saved not by our works, not by ritual, not by baptism, water baptism or, or church membership. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. But Christ also gives us this instruction. I want you to turn with me to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Because this strikes a blow against any kind of easy believism. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Remember, God does not mislead us about what it's going to take to follow Jesus. And he says in Matthew 16, 24, our Lord said this, then said Jesus, Matthew 16, 24, unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, now that's following Jesus, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now we use that expression in the English language a lot. We talk about taking up our cross. And sometimes we use it in a very light or loose manner. You know, it's, it's our uh, hangnail pain or, uh, you know, some uh, little difficulty that we have to go through. But here's the image here that Jesus is making. In those days, a man carrying a cross was a man who was going to die. He was traveling to his death. Christ calls us to die to ourselves and to our old way of life. In fact, that's what salvation is all about. We die in Christ, then we are risen with Him. To walk in newness of life. That's what following Jesus is all about. Friends, if you're still living the old life, there's something wrong. 
You must die to yourself. You must live unto Christ. Christ calls us to deny ourselves and our ambitions. By the way, Jesus will give you something that is far greater than anything you could have ever imagined for yourself. I'm living proof of that. God has given me more than I deserve. I, the only thing that I deserve is a devil's hell. That's the only thing. But God has given me salvation. He's given me joy. He's given me peace. He's given me the blessing to serve Him. I don't deserve any of these things. He's given me you as a congregation. I don't deserve that. But God wants to do the same for each one of us. He calls us to deny ourselves. Ultimately, He calls us to eternal life. Life more abundantly. The suffering comes now, but the glory comes later. And there are two ways that God delivers us from suffering. And this is important for us to understand here. Because remember, as we follow Paul as he is following Christ, Christ is our ultimate example. We need to know that it involves suffering. But there are two ways that God delivers us from suffering. And the first is very familiar. And this is often how we pray. Sometimes God delivers us from suffering by removing it altogether. He just takes it out of our lives. And I'm very thankful to God that He does that. There are times when He will do that. He will restore someone to health. He will take away sickness. But friends, He doesn't always do that. You see, there's a second way that He delivers us. He delivers us by enabling us to endure the suffering. This is so key. I don't want you to miss this. Look in 1 Timothy I'm sorry, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And Paul makes this statement at the end of verse 11. He says, what persecutions I endured, but out of them, and then there's a little word. What is that word? All. Out of them all the Lord delivered me. Now let me ask you this. Does that mean that God removed all suffering from Paul's life? Absolutely not. Because he goes on to list in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 23 all the things that, that he had to go through. But this is how God delivered Paul. He gave him the grace to endure it. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm not going to read this whole passage, but Paul says that there was a time in his life where he was tempted to be prideful, to be exalted above measure because of all that the Lord had done for him and how the Lord was using him. He says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, and he calls it the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, to beat me, lest I should be exalted above measure. God allowed Satan to do this in Paul's life to keep him humble. And in verse 8, Paul prays a prayer that many of us would pray in the same situation. Lord, take it away from me completely. I've done that. 
And you know, sometimes the Lord does that. Sometimes he takes it away from you. I have terrible back problems at times. I was in a car accident years ago, and I, uh, two of the discs in my neck were, were badly damaged, were ruptured. So every once in a while, I'll have intense pain. And sometimes I'll just pray. I'll say, Lord, you have, to, you have to help me. Please take it away. Sometimes he does. I can actually tell you instances where it, it was, the pain was so bad, I, I could barely function, and God took it away. He's real. But then there are other times when he didn't take it away. But what he did do was to give me the grace to endure it. That's a physical problem. For you, it may be a physical problem. It may be emotional. It may be spiritual. It may be a besetting sin. But Paul says this, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice or three times, that it might depart from me. Very understandable. But this is what God said in reply in verse 9. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's a very nice way of saying no. Because I've got a greater purpose in mind. There is something even greater that I'm doing in your life. And you know what Paul's answer was? He was still suffering, we assume, this thorn in the flesh, but he says this, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory or boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, folks, when you can get to that point in your life, that is deliverance. You have been delivered from whatever that problem is. When you can face it with that kind of attitude of grace and strength. And this is what Paul was trying to get across to his young protege. That God is not going to take away every difficulty out of life. There are things that you're going to have to suffer but God will deliver you in the end. That is the promise that I can make. Either He'll take it away completely, or He will give you the strength, the grace to endure it. And you'll come to a point in your life where you can go through that trial and you can rejoice. And unsaved people around you will look at you and they will wonder if you have lost your mind. They cannot understand it. Because it is God's grace, God's peace, God's joy. And that leads us to number three, and that is continue to expect opposition from ungodly men. Again, God does not mislead us. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The word seducers here carries the idea of a wizard or a magician who cheats and swindles others. And let me give you this warning because we have all sorts of information available to us today from the television, online, all kinds of, of sources. 
Watch out for those who would draw you away from the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. Watch out for those who would try to shave down the gospel, who would water it down, who would try to rob it of its power in any way. Beware of those false teachers who deny what the Word of God specifically teaches. They are false. That's how you'll know them. But yet they will come to you and they will be charismatic. They will be magnetic. They will sound very, very compassionate. In fact, they may weep in front of you and tell how much they care about everyone. Don't be misled, because here's what I believe. I believe some men de deceive themselves, and this is exactly what Scripture says. They are deceiving, and yet they are being deceived. And for us, listen, for you, if you're going to follow that person, it doesn't matter whether he knows it or not, you're going to the same path of destruction. He may be sincere, as sincere as he can be, but he is sincerely wrong. Did you know that? There are people in this world who are gravely sincere. But when they deny God and deny His Word, they are sincerely wrong. Don't be drawn in by that. And young people, listen, the world is playing upon your compassion they're playing upon your feelings and emotions. If they contradict what this Bible says, they're false. It is a false voice. I'm not saying they're not sincere. I think that there are people who mean exactly what they say, but unfortunately they are deceived. And one of the things we need to pray is that God will remove the deception from their hearts. But don't you fall into it. You stick with what the Bible says. It never changes. I don't care what goes on in 21st century America. This book is always the same. God does not change His mind when He speaks clearly on an issue. Don't be fooled. Paul says these evil people are spiraling downward you see, that's the kind of progress they make. They are making progress, but it's downward. And meanwhile, they're leaving behind a trail of destruction. A few years ago, my family and I were traveling through Virginia on vacation, and we drove through some very heavy rain. And then all of a sudden, the sun broke out, and it, the, the storm was over. But as we got off the, the highway onto a little exit, we saw that a tornado had come through this small town. And it was actually a, a small tornado, but it did a lot of damage. You could see trees, that had, large trees that had been split in half. And you could see the sides that were taken off of houses. And as we drove through, it was the most eerie thing because you could trace the path of that little tornado as it went through that town. Now, that's what false teachers do. They leave a trail of destruction in their wake. How do we avoid this? We stay true to God's Word. You follow those who are following Jesus. 
Make sure they're following Jesus. Make sure that He and His Word are preeminent. Let's pray. Father, we thank You today for the Word of truth that keeps us on the right path. We thank You for godly people that You have put in our lives. We thank You for their example by Your grace of how You have delivered them from sin and from suffering and persecution. So I pray that we as, as parents, grandparents, Lord, no matter what our position in this life is, Lord, we have some sort of influence with others. And I pray that we would guide them in the right way. And I pray that we would follow those godly role models who are following Jesus, that we would teach these things to our children and not just assume that they're going to know them. Help us, Lord, more than anything else to stay true to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just before we have this closing song, I want to give you an opportunity today. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, or listen to me, if there is any doubt in your mind, I want you to come today and make that sure. Now, of all decisions that you can make in your life, this is the one where you don't want to be uncertain. There are a lot of mistakes that you can make in life. But friends, this is one that involves all eternity. You can live a thousand years in this life, but it's a drop in the bucket compared to forever. Are you going to be in heaven rejoicing with the Lord? Or are you going to be separated from Him in a place called hell, which Jesus Himself described a place of fire, a place of suffering, a place of pain, a place where you will spend all eternity. God does not mislead anyone. The Lord Jesus doesn't, and we're not going to mislead you here. This is what the Bible teaches. We love you. We want you to come to Christ today. We want you to be saved because Christ died for you. Would you come today if you don't know for sure? I'm going to stand here at the front, and if anyone would like to come forward, then you take this time now.